As healthcare practice owners, you give advices and instructions, and listen to your patients and your team about their concerns. Many of these topics are tough to handle. Therefore, the crucial part in these interactions is how are you understanding each other. In today's episode, you'll learn how to build resilience through sincere communication. Healthcare practice owners, if you're ready to rewrite the rules for your clinical practice so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while delivering better patient care, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Rombach. I am a provider, an international performance and productivity keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Each week, my guests and I will show you how to level up your personal and practice efficiency. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. And today we wanted to trigger your mind in thinking how great would you feel if you are ranked as world's top communication professional. And this is who I'm bringing you today where we are someone who has been ranked as top 30 communication professional in the world and in both 2020 and 2021 by the Global Gurus International, a British-based provider resource for leadership and communication and sales training. So Eileen, thank you so much for being here. She has been devoted her life work being best publishing author. She's coming out with her eighth book. And since the 1980s, she has been helping organizations and individuals transform the life of their business and the business of their lives through conversations that matter and connections that count. She has been known as a master facilitator, award-winning author, an international recognized keynote speaker and executive coach. And she draws upon practical business know-how-tos and life experiences with years of consulting to major national and international organizations that have ranged from global pharmaceuticals to U.S. armed forces, from healthcare associations to religious institute. And she plays a lot into humor and love that about her. And the two of us met through being on a panel on work-life balance and breaking that myth from a women uh, conference. And thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. And happy new year. Happy New Year. Yes, as we kickstart the year and for everyone who's joining us, we want to talk about communication because we all speak, we all listen, but how are we understanding each other and what are we really listening to is so crucial. doesn't matter if you're dealing with clients, your team members, or even your loved ones. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself more? Uh, what's that journey like? How did you figure out that you love talk about communication and being a award in this field and being ranked so many years? Well, I've been doing this for, I won't even tell you how many years because I don't think I'm that old. So I don't know how that happened. It's just fluke of nature. But communication has always been a center for me. When I was in high school, I was very shy. I'm small. I was the runt of the litter. 
I was the last one picked to play on any PE team. And in sophomore year, my world history teacher said, you're going to stay after school. I said, what? Why? I mean, it was a good teacher. She said, I want you on the debate team. No, 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 I can't do that. She said, yeah, you show up. Well, if you had Sister John Margaret as your teacher, you would show up. And I ended up on the debate team, on the extemporaneous team, on the oral interpretation team. And that ability to communicate drew me out of my shell but also gave me a good understanding, a beginning, if you will, to the value of really thinking clearly, being able to speak articulately. And as you said, Sabrina, so wisely, I'm learning as I age, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Yes, we always thinking about, we listen to what other people say, but a lot of time, I believe we already have so many thoughts that's just going at it and get so excited just to respond, but not really hearing what people are trying to tell us. So without that piece of active listening or some people saying strategic listening, then we're just keep constantly spilling out information, but it's so disconnected. I I think that's really true. And now in this pandemic world, they were now getting ready to go into, can it be three years? It's going on three years where things are spread out. When we come together like this, first off, it is very important that we see each other because you and I both know words are only words. Where we get meaning is on the sound that we hear and the looks on our faces. It's the vocal and the visual. And from that, if I don't pay attention to that, I'm not really listening to what they want to tell me. The other thing is that as we are in disparate places, I think more and more people want to feel that they have been heard, that you really get me. And so the ability to reflect back what you're hearing, what you think you're hearing, because you can be really wrong. That's a real skill. Hearing we're born with, but listening we have to learn. Correct. It is such a skill to learn. And I believe there's a recent study by Citric actually talk about even consumers. Now, 50% of consumers are really readjusting from the past year and being more optimistic about how they purchase, how they buy, but they're more optimistic about realigning what they want. Are they really getting out what they truly purchase, right? And that is important for all of us because no matter what you do, we're technically all in service industry. Healthcare professionals, we're providing a certain type of care. And then that type of communication, you're pretty much selling your idea every day to your patients, hoping they will agree with you and follow through with the care instead of being questioned, distrust in what you say and then go to another person for second opinion. And maybe they're not as devoted in how you serve your patient as the other person, right? And then this is same thing as our our team are technically our consumers. They have to buy into how we wanted to serve our clients in the way that we see the best mission and goal for everyone. So then that part of communication is also important, not just to have authority, but how we actually interact and communicate, adding the tonality. I do believe there are some, uh, even my friends, 
so monotone. So it's hard to engage. Like, did you like it? Or are you just saying something just to agree with me? Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody has. I mean, you're, you're animated. I'm animated. I would like to say something true about listening. It's not that I need to convince you that I know what's the right thing for you from a healthcare standpoint, but to develop that relationship of trust. I want to find out how do you feel about what I told you? Do you think it's something that you could do? What might get in the way? How can I support you? So it's not saying take five pills and go home and call me in the morning. It's trying to understand what might be the objections or fear. Now, some of these resistance is like telling people to get vaccinated, which people have objections and fear of. And we really need to address that there really is nothing to be fearful of. The ability for patient to be heard, to be understood, and not lectured on is truly important. If you liked today's episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues who are also healthcare practice owners. They will appreciate you for thinking of their growth. Now, let's get back to the rest of our show. I'd like to say something too about this listening. It's not just that I need to convince you that I know what's the right thing for you from a healthcare standpoint, but to develop that relationship of trust, I want to find out how do you feel about what I just told you? Do you think it's something that you could do? What might get in the way? How can I support you? So it's not just saying take five pills and go home and call me in the morning. It's really trying to understand what might be the objections. What might be the fears? What am I afraid of? And I think we're seeing that also now in some of this resistance to being vaccinated. People have bought into that I'm afraid. And the truth of the matter is we need to talk about that. Because maybe there is nothing for you to be afraid of, or maybe there is, depending on your your health history. So I think that nowadays, as busy as everyone is in healthcare, the ability for that patient to feel heard, not just lectured at, but heard, is really important. We talk a lot about patient-centered care. Now, this is the part involving patients into their own decision on what to do to receive the type of care in order to get to the result that they want. Our speaker, Elaine, brought up such a great point on what is the barrier that patients are facing? Are they experiencing issues with not able to contact them on self-care? as not taking their medication, not weighing themselves daily, not checking their sugars for specific chronic diseases? Are they not wanting to go to surgery because financial issues? What's actually causing them to refuse certain type of treatment or self-care? In cardiac surgery, studies have shown that people tend to get more depressed after having surgery. It's probably because we're asking patients to restrict their upper extremity exercises and they cannot go to work and do really anything for about two months, except walking around the neighborhood, stairs, everything is okay. However, for patients that could still feel lonely and restricted, would that really create a lack of trust between our patients and the healthcare professional? What else could there be that create any type of friction? 
between you and your patients. At the end of the day, it's not about seeing more patients in a day, but how well we are helping them to get to the quality of life that they want to sustain, and therefore create a longer version for this patient. So flip. On the other side, if everything goes well perfectly in the next six months to a year, what would life be like for them? Hear them out. If we can give them on some kind of path to deliver those type results, people are more self-motivated to do, and that's how we get on their level by listening while using the power. Correct. We talk a lot about patient-centered care. Now, this is a part is on involving patient into their own care. And you brought up such a great point on what is the barrier if you couldn't do it, if you would not take these medication, if you're not going to go for surgery. What's the true fear behind? Falling through these things, it's a finance. It's an you feel like no support, right? Some uh, even for me in cardiac surgery, there are studies on people more tend to have depressions afterwards. Now it's possible, right? In the logical sense of we're asking you not to do anything for two months, you, you need to heal. You, you can't live and do anything. People are going to feel restricted. But do you have family support? Is it really fear you couldn't do anything? Or it just somehow we created this arbitrary story in our head? So it's such a great point to figure out what is that fear? What could we potentially create that lack of trust? And then I would say we can play on the other side. If everything goes perfectly well, what is your idea of that perfect relationship or perfect outcome that you want six months or a year from now? Mm-hmm. So I, I told you before we started this that I had had a cataract surgery. And I, so I have two surgeons. The first surgeon sat there with me, told me what was going on, kind of pat, like said, this is what we're going to do. And when we had what turned out to be you know, some cataract fragments, the retinal surgeon who came in didn't even glance at me, said, sat down, looked in my eyes, said, okay, well, yep, you got cataract fragments. Yep, we'll, we'll see you a week from here. Here's the surgery center. Goodbye. And I just felt like, wait, wait, how did that happen? I have questions. And the difference, the difference, Sabrina, between these two, the ophthalmologist here and the retinal surgeon here, I, I came out, I said, I don't care for that surgeon. I mean, yeah, she's going to have to do it. She's part of the practice. But she acted like I was, I, I had about much just personality and attention as this pen. And the difference was very telling. I so agree with you. I had so many patients like, wow, I never heard as much as you explain in details ever. And some nurses will be standing in the room with me and listening. And I think that extra few minutes of just simply being human is actually not even playing into empathy. I just simply add something more that what I felt the patient will have questions or worry. So I preemptively answered it. Instead of a lot of us also have the concern as a provider, well, I'm never going to be able to see this many patients. I got so booked out. So they felt a sense of rush of incompetency in a way of fear of not serving them patient. But when they do serve them patient, it's so rushed. It become point A to point B. 
but there's no connection in the middle of making people feel like I actually want to be here with you. I actually mm-hmm. trust you enough because I can see that you want to take care of me, not just become a process for you. So while in the when we do the numbers game, you know, how many can I see in an hour? They might be there this one month with you. But when they find somebody else who will listen to them, who pay attention, they're out of there. So short term, it might look like you're just cranking it up. My sense is that most people get into healthcare didn't get in there to check off the numbers. And I saw 500 this month. You know, they got in there because they really care. And the system sometimes can make them cynical. You're only going to pay me if I do this amount. And so this is where the whole internal listening to yourself, what is it that you as a provider want? Why yes. did you get this field? Exactly. Uh, it's that asking yourself that question, what's the value of me? as a person, as a provider, as someone else's daughter, someone else's parent. So if you are in that shoes, then you're no longer chasing numbers, but uh, how to see a long-term vision for that patient, that family that will continue to come back to see you and not just, well, I'm just going to see them one time, I fixed it and they're gone. And if we are constantly in the playing the short-term game inside a long-term game, we'll miss out a lot of more opportunities and Mm -hmm. constantly have to feed into, oh my gosh, we needed to attract more people to us. And that's actually creating fear. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree with what you said. I, I think right now we're in this crazy, crazy environment in which it's hard to step back. But I think the times in which we can, when we are with another human being, whether it's like you and I are looking at each other right now, but we're with each other. We will resonate with this. I just, um, I have a wonderful young man who is, he's from Brazil, lives out of DC. And he has become, we, we met online because I did a podcast for him. He does my videos. They had their first baby on February 19th. I helped name that baby. I have never met them in person. We have done everything online. I am anti-E. Let me tell you about this adorable baby called Catalina. She's beautiful. I sent her her first stuffed animal. So you can even create relationships just because you take a little bit of time. And I teased Thiago. I said, you know what? You're my brother from another mother. (laughs) That's where it goes. During the pandemic, it is hard to have a social life because we cannot see each other in person. But people haven't think outside of the box in ways that can help them to communicate better. We can still be proactive by calling and texting the people who are important in our life, not wait for someone else to reach out to you but make the point already. You can even reach out to your colleagues, friends who haven't seen for years by making a Zoom call, whatever that feeds you need. It's true that we are all busy, but there's a way to reach out when we have so many technology in the palm of our hands. How are you supporting your family, friends, and also your professional team? Don't rely on the system and see where your revenue goes. Remember that you're still a human before and behind all these processes. When you are meeting with individual ask them what happened to their last weekend or what their favorite vacation spot 
a conversation first, building rapport before getting down to the nitty gritty. The whole thing about burnout to breakthrough is that you need those relationships because loneliness can be deadly. It is not because you're great title or because you're subspecialty doctor or specialized in chiropractor or cardiology or endocrinology or simply because you're healing people that come to you. We still have to be able to reach out and have that specific message to connect with people. And those reaching out is actually in the Medicare incentives for remote monitoring for our patients, especially those with chronic diseases. And make those extra effort can take time. And therefore, we can also leverage, again, digital health platform to help us to have better patient outcome without putting more work on our staff. It is a learning process for sure to show up and appear as you really do care about that person who you are speaking with. And people will automatically attract to you like a magnet because they can sense your sincerity and how much you actually care to ask about what they are doing and how well they are doing. First, you need to know your value and what you care about and then stick to that to help yourself to stick to your true path be effective in helping the right people and have the right team member behind you to create those amazing impact. Therefore, you're not creating additional chaos on work for yourself or others, but reducing pressures on the whole system that you are in fact leading. Understand the crucial things about reaching out, the way that we have to active listen, not just listening for people say, but to be involved in what they're trying to tell you. Not to listen for the matter of fact, just to respond to them, really understand them and strategize for them. What could be the barrier? Thinking about what they truly need and want. What else do you feel this relationship can add to better position their need? And then use different healthcare leadership position to make those impact and optimize your team for your patients. Exactly. No matter how you create relationship, and even during pandemic, especially in the early stages now, or yes, third year, but early stages, people feel like, oh, yes, I don't see my social life. It's just been so cut. We can't see each other. But people haven't think outside the box that how else you can communicate, right? You can call, you can text, you can be proactive, not wait for someone to reach out to you, but make the point of saying, hey, even the best friends from college who I, you haven't seen for years, make a Zoom call, make a video chat, uh, whatever that feeds you. Yes, we are all busy, but there's a way to reach out. So that goes, I believe, it, correct me if I'm wrong, both from your family, your friends, and also your team. How are you supporting them? It's no longer just, oh, we have a system, we're optimized the system, let's run it, let's see where our revenue goes. But we're still human behind all these processes. Well, you know, one of the things which Vivek Merce, who is our Surgeon General now, 
who was also the Surgeon General under Obama. He's he's a wonderful man. And he wrote his, the last book that he wrote was talking about loneliness and loneliness being as dangerous as if you sat there and smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. And so he purposely, at least initially when they, they could see each other, they wouldn't have a meeting just to go, okay, do this, 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 and this. What they would say is, tell us something about wonderful that happened to you last weekend, or what's your favorite vacation place? He would have conversations before they got into the nitty gritty that said, who are you as a person? And I, you know, when I wrote, when I wrote my book, the whole thing about burnout to breakthrough is that we need, we need those relationships because loneliness, particularly now can be deadly. Yes, for sure. And I believe one thing that I talk about a lot is that networking piece. Not just because you have a great title, people come to you. Not just because you're that subspecialty doctor or specialized in this pra- uh, chiropractic or healing that people just automatically attracted to you. We mm-hmm. still have to be able to reach out, to have that specific message that connect with people. Mm-hmm. And that takes extra effort. And that's that learning, right? To show up, not just saying, well, I'm here, but it's how do you appear to other people that they automatically want to attract to you like a magnet? So I love what you're saying. Like first is knowing your value, knowing who you are, and then you can act in that way instead of chasing by number and feeling the pressure about the system in itself. And then it's understanding we have to reach out. And then the way of active listening, not just listen for what other people say, but you you need to be able to ask the questions of what the barriers are, what they really want. What else do you feel like in in this leadership position where even from our practitioner with patient that you see could also be optimized? I think first off, it's, it's a very deliberate intention. You know what my intention is? And part of that intention is to imagine yourself as this little ghost that stands by the side and watching this interaction. And what would the little ghost say about that interaction? And it actually also means to naively listen, which means I don't listen for how I can respond and be right and everything. It is more of telling me more. And I think also no one person has the answer. The answers are among all of us. And so the more I can engage my team, my colleagues, and tell me what you think. Is there another way to do this? We're going to find all new ways to deliver some of the the services that we do. But we have to think very creatively, which means I don't have to have all the answers. Correct. It's about being so curious about what is going on out there what's the other person going through and then while we're being curious it's not really about solving the problem in itself but not even judging the whole situation and just like i'm just here to learn about it and so then then we become someone who position ourselves to be in the presence of learning and not start judging what's right what's wrong (laughs) You know what else I think, and it got me when you said that, is it also means that we are vulnerable. And by vulnerable, I mean admitting that I got no clue what's going on tomorrow. All I know is what we have to do today. 
or I don't think I can work at this pace. I need to pull back and I'm the leader and I need to pull back. When you admit that you are confused, you're scared, your kids don't see you enough anymore. They want your ID before they open up the door. <laughs> they don't open up the door to strangers because you've been gone for so long. I mean, it's it's sharing that humanness, that vulnerability. Just like me telling you that I had this eye surgery. I mean, in a way that makes me vulnerable because it's saying I am not a perfect human being. I have no, I have nothing in here because I can't see. That allows somebody else to say, you know what? I have problems with my eyesight too. So I I think vulnerability is another interesting and important aspect for all of us to say, how can I just show up in every way? And that includes being vulnerable. Correct. And I think some people don't really understand what true vulnerability means. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, It's not about showing the bad, ugly and everything. It's just simply being yourself and sharing things without feeling like someone needed to judge you, someone need a question because I'm comfortable enough to say, this is me. And then I'm also comfortable enough to figure out how I can solve whatever I have going on. And part of the communication, I believe is that part is to be able to say, I don't know. This is just what happened. Even your leader, we don't have to know everything. And this is impossible. That's the whole thing. Exactly. The it, world is too confusing. It's too confusing. And also our mind, yes, it's so amazing, can absorb a lot of information, but we won't be remembering so sharply for everything, right? That's why in medicine, we have all these subspecialties. You have the traditional medicine, you have the alternative medicine, and you have pharmaceutical treatment, you have surgical treatment, you have therapist treatment, right? Because we're supposed to have a 360 degree view of everything. And that's why we refer people out. We don't say, oh, I mean, heart surgery. I'm not gonna say I can treat GI things. I don't want to, right? Like I, I just stay in my lane. I'm comfortable. That's fine. I can learn about other things, but I don't need to be the expert of everything. Uh, and and that's the whole point is about creating networking with the right people to create synergy. And therefore, you can actually compound on other people's knowledge and time. And that's one reason I also ask our speakers to have a quick self-reflection because it's hard to be an expert in everything. And we don't need to be that way. So where you think you are, when you think about these key components of life with relationship, family, social life, your career, your finances, your own physical health, your mental energy, right? Where all this good stuff in this this crystal ball, where do you think you are? Well, okay. Content without context is meaningless. So each one of us has a different context for our life. If I was 25, 35, my context would be very different. There are now more years behind me than I have in front of me. So the context of my life is where I, especially for this year, with everything that we've gone through over the last two, I am not going to set New Year's resolutions that have, which I have in the past, X amount of clients, X amount of revenue, X amount of this. Everything is, you know, it's, it's, 
got numbers to it and how many places am I going to be? And I, I just want to show up. I just want to show up and to respond to people and events in the most compassionate and helpful way that I can with no numerical quantitative anything behind it. Instead of going broadly, I'd rather go deep. And that has to do with the context of where I am now in my life. That's amazing. I think one of my coaches, Darren Hardy, recently have uh, said that there's a difference between want, need, and necessary, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we could do so many things. Everybody can say, meditate more. Everyone say, you got to have this kind of revenue. Everyone can say so many things, but is it really true of what we want? And then we have to just be able to say, I want to go deep in what truly connect with me. This is my mission. This is my value. And that's the most important things uh, out there, right? And then instead of uh, trying to figure out everything for everyone. And so that's amazing. Thank you so much. We know you've been writing books. You have an, a burned out book that came out. You showed us uh, recently. Can you tell us where can people get that book? And then how else they can connect with you and learn more about communication? Thank you so much. Burnout to Breakthrough, you can get it on Amazon. If you can spell my name, you can find my books on Amazon. You can also come to my website for that. In fact, that is the best way for you to get in touch with me is go to my website. I've made it really easy. There's no hidden agendas. It's just, you know, contact me. There it goes. Here's the email. Here's the phone number. So as long as you can say Eileen Mactar, you can find me, EileenMactar.com. Email me, Eileen at Eileen Mactar. I decided, why don't we wrap everything up in mystery? I am who I am, and I am out there. And when you come to the website, though, if you feel so inclined, you can sign up for my e-sign, which comes out once a month, and I try to make it useful and short because we don't have a lot of time. And then I write a weekly blog, which people can find, but we'll make it really easy to communicate and to connect with people who want to. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us in healthcare and beyond, for all the leaders, for how we truly need to connect and just simply being you. I hope you liked today's episode. You're listening to me right now. Odds are you're frustrated by how healthcare practices are running today. I'm with you. I'm looking to change the conversation that we're having in the healthcare industry. It starts with me and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your struggles and success within the healthcare industry. Visit sabrinarombag.com forward slash connect where you can send me a direct message. She really gets the conversation. She understands she's an incredible listener. We were talking about worthiness and she really understands the concept of it, how it affects people in their businesses, in their clinics, in, in their daily life, in their relationships. So I just want to encourage you to one, listen to our show, but to jump on board and start listening to this woman because she has so much insight and wisdom that you don't want to miss out. Take an opportunity to meet with and talk with Sabrina. She's just a wealth of information and powerful results. And it, it, for myself, just to be able to reflect and see what she's created by her forms and processes is amazing. 
I can't uh, emphasize enough, it's time well spent and uh, money well invested. And so take the time, invest in yourself. My experience is really, really unique because I started with Sabrina when I was still finishing up chiropractic school and uh, have gone through it during my break and am now a practicing doctor. So everything she's learned has been, or everything I've learned and she's taught has been applied at different levels and portions of my life and I feel like I can continue to um, grow and develop these skills in the future. So I was able to do the one-on-ones as well as the group sessions with Sabrina and both had some really impactful things to teach me. There were a lot of things in there. I look at the chart of the desire zone because I was taking on too many things. I was doing too many things outside of my desire zone. And that allowed me to hone things back into the direction where they should be. What were some other things? that we Our first call that we ever had, there was a quote that you made, you gave me from the Dalai Lama. And these are simple things. I did. It, it was my gratitude. And it hit me at that time because I'd forgotten to be grateful about what has been built. You know, everybody around me that sees what we're doing or you know, sees what I'm doing here, my peers and colleagues, they're very grateful what I've been doing there, like, oh, this is great. You know, we would love to be in the position that I'm in, and I forget that, but I forgot it. Take out your phone, type in sabrinarumbach.com forward slash connect, and let's have a conversation. I would love to hear your story.